Coming to you from the Eon Project Studios, nestled in the forest of Harrisville, Rhode Island, the epicenter of paranormal activity in the Blackstone Valley. You're listening to Experts of Nothing with Mike and Jay. Hello, friend. Ah, welcome. Welcome to all. Welcome once again to the Eon Project. It's been quite some time, Michael. It's been quite a bit of time. Yes. I don't, I don't even remember the last time we, we recorded a it's show. It's been, uh, uh, the last time was when the uh, the Earth went around the sun. Well, you know, it. this is a, the the appropriate, appropriate time uh, to, to have another episode because as, as you know, sir. Yes. Here, nestled in the woods of New England, mm. we've experienced a season change. It's getting chilly. It's chilly. It's crisp. Mm. The bugs are going away. For those of you that don't live in in a uh, in an area, a geographic location that has the uh, distinct four seasons, yes. you might not appreciate this. If you don't have deciduous forests, deciduous, you like that word and carnivorous. Which one's your favorite kind of forest? Is it carnivorous or carnivorous? It's carnivorous. Oh. If it was carnivorous, the trees would eat you. Oh, I like so to that, be eaten. That me- well, ah. this is a family show. So, what have you been doing since we've oh, been? Oh, you know, uh, we've had lots of things. Apart, we've we've had lots of things going on. You know, mm-hmm. life. Life got in the way, mm. but you know we wanted to get back to to our our first love, yes, which is not each other, but the podcast. The podcast. You know, I went on a vision quest. Ooh. I went to the. Um, I lived with a um, a Sherpa family at the uh, the hill of or the base of the Himalayan mountains. I thought a Sherpa was a kind of like llama, and uh, we did a lot of um, of the native um, uh, intoxicants. Ooh. and I lived in a tent for quite some time, mm. and they gave me a um, a native. Name. What was the name? Tibetan name. What was the Tibetan name? And it was uh, Pegala Sitokita. Ooh, that yes. sounds like something that I would order at Sancho's Mexican Buffet. It's good. It's tasty. Mm. Yes, it translates, uh, loosely translates into English as um, creepy white boy. <laughs> How accurate. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Wow. Well, you know what? Actually, in reality, you didn't go to, to, to Tibet, but you did go to some cool places. You went on a, we both did. We both went on some trips. Went on a few trips. Where'd yes. you go? Where'd you go that was fun? Um, well, I went to, um, I went to uh, Gettysburg. Mm. I went to Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, where the, Gettysburg. Uh, which is, was a, a, a crucial and a pivotal battle during the American Civil War. The largest land battle in the Western Hemisphere. It was large. It was large. It was a three-day battle. And, you know, I've always been um, a student of the Civil War. Yes. And uh, But that just piqued my interest even further, going there. Mm. I'd been there before, but it just uh, reaffirmed my, my love and my interest in it. Mm. And I've gone down the rabbit hole Uh-oh. of Civil War things. Civil War is very interesting. It is. And, you know, just just like anything, you can go uh, on social media and there uh, you'll find groups that, that cater to just about any interests. I'm sure you found some of the more... Um, uh, yes. Let's say uh, uh, diapers questionable and dog cages and di- things like that. <laughs> questionable sites. <laughs> you know, but you have to be careful because, as we know, sometimes your uh, your your internet secrets uh, come out to the light. Yes. You must be wary. Of everything the that you do. Everything is tracked. Everything is tracked, and yeah. uh, everything is is um, is logged. Yeah. Well, should we? You know what? We didn't even talk about the topic. Let's today. Ta- let's tease the topic. The topic. Yeah. So uh, we're going to continue in our series of kind of ethereal, mm. large encompassing topics we talked about god god we talked about uh religion death death mm. so today we're going to talk about something that's very very um uh, uh prescient for the time you like the word prescient Ooh, what does that even mean like it like timely that's a big word like time i'm full of full of big things <laughs> let me let me hear that one again what is it prescient what does that mean i'm i'm, I'm scared so it means you know like a pre- like uh ac- appro- you don't know appropriate oh so okay. prescient for the times. We're going to prescient. talk about okay. fear. Mm. What what fear is, what it encompasses, what what scares you, what scares me, what I scares see. the average Joe and it's Sally. It's an interesting topic, especially this time of year with That's Halloween what I mean. coming and everything. Sure, sure, sure. Let me ask you this. Yes. What is your current um, underwear situation? Uh, like right now? Well, you know, what do you, you want do? Me to show you? What do you do for your underdraws now? Do you... I have never changed... Okay. I have never changed as an adult. My underwear choices, with the exception of mm. three months, three glorious months in 1996 <laughs> at uh, the United States Marine Corps Recruit Depot, South Carolina, yes. Paris Island, yes, um, which in which they force you to wear tidy whities They do. You are forced. You can. You have no choice. No choice. And it gave me stomach aches. But ever since then, I have been a boxer man through and through. Just the straight boxer, regular boxer. How do you wear? Let me ask you this: How do you wear the Lucy boxers yep. underneath like a pair of mm-hmm. you know nice fitting mm-hmm. pants, pantaloons? So, sometimes it is a challenge. You have to like adjust. Yeah, but see, I can't wear tight mm-hmm. underwear. 
If it, I get a stomach ache. But that's why you get the boxer briefs. It's the perfect combination so of the two. I, no, I've had tried boxer briefs. They make you feel all constricted. No. No. You haven't had the right ones I yet. don't like them. Let me ask you this. What are your uh, color choices? Do you go exotic or oh, do you no. go straight up, straight forward? Well, they have. They can't be white because of you know evidentiary reasons. But, yes. So always dark. Usually black. Black. Yes. Yes. I'm a black man myself. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In regards to the underwear. With underwear choices. Um, because I, Why I, do you ask? I like yourself because I had to buy some new drawers today. Mm. Um, some tactical smalls, if you will. <laughs> and I myself was a boxer guy back in the day. But then I realized it's just they're just not comfortable. Mm. So I switched to the boxer briefs. But I was still more of an exotic kind of boxer brief you, guy. I, you know, we haven't discussed underwear. Yeah. But you seem like a an exotic... Uh, gold lame or yes. leopard skin yes. underwear. You know? I used to be. Yeah. I used to be. But now Bikini I like briefs. yourself mm-hmm. and just go with the straight black. Uh-huh. Like a silky black. Mm. Yes. Um, yes. If if they created an underwear that that, that literally chilled your nether regions, yes. I would buy that underwear. Oh. I like to have chilled nether regions. You do? Yeah. I like it nice and flowy. But doesn't that shrivel everything up down there? No. It's just fl- I need airflow. Oh. Anyway, this is a weird topic that we got on. It is. So let's let's, let's get into the topic just slightly. And we, I know we sure. do. We do as we as we do on the show. And if you've listened to the show before, you know we kind of go off on tangents. This is an accurate representation of us in real life. Yes, we do this for just about everything. It drives people insane sometimes. As a matter of, a matter of fact, before the show, we sit and we talk and we mm. kind of discuss this kind of nonsensical right. ramblings, and then we say we should talk about this on the on show. On the show, because yeah. it's entertaining to some folk. That is true. You know, before we get into the topic of fear, I did want to ask a favor, of, not of you, mm. of our of our lovely audience. Whatever you're doing right now, I want you to go on to... Well, you don't have to do it right now. I want you to listen to the show. After the show, I want you to go on to whatever podcast site you're listening to mm-hmm. and rate our show please leave us leave comments rate the show because what we're finding is it's it's difficult for people to find our show yes. and the reason that it is is because no one's going on and liking it and i know i know we have listeners because we can you know we can see we can see you and this is one of the great mysteries of the podcast realm very big um because i myself I go out there and I listen to various podcasts and I As try to I. find right. random things and, and see what other people are up to, yep. what they're doing, yes. the different formats and things. And there's a lot of crap out there. Mostly crap. But they get thousands of listens, <laughs> follows left and right, right, circumnavigating the earth with listens. How do they do that? I don't understand. I don't know. We get some listeners in Belgium. So yeah, we, I had one, to, we had one guy in Belgium. One guy in Belgium accidentally found the show. And then he listened to it. He goes, mon dieu. And then he stopped listening. Do they speak French in, in Belgium? Uh, French and German, actually. German? Yes. Is that a is that a holdover from World War II? Uh, well, you know, it's on the cusp between France and Germany. I like cusps. <laughs> Me too. Anyway, so let's get into the topic and then we'll kind of go from there. Sure. What do you got to say about fear? So fear. What is fear? Mm. Fear. Let's let's give the uh, let's give the book definition. Let's of look what at the fear definition. Is. As so fear does. as a noun means an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, mm. likely to cause pain or a threat. Oh, here's an example. He is a prey to irrational fears. Uh-huh. But as a verb in the third person, it could mean be afraid of. As likely to be dangerous, painful, or threatening. Uh-huh. Farmers fear that they will lose business. I see. So, what does fear mean to you <laughs> so, when you think of it? Okay, it's, it's, it, obviously fear is a very important. Uh, it's a very important trait. If you, is it a trait? It's a human, uh, uh, a human emotion, yeah, perhaps. It, it, it's, or, well, whatever it is, it's in, it's essential for survival. So yes, it's been my supposition for a very long time that fear is a gift. And actually, there's a very famous book called The Gift of Fear. It was written by a guy named Gavin DeBecker. Oh. Uh, back in, I think it was the 80s. I read the book a long time ago. And it and essentially, I, I'm going to save you from having to read the book. Because it's a very good book, but it's mostly kind of, uh, you know, a little scholarly. Sure. In, in places. A little dry at times. Right. But anyway, the, the the gist of it is is that fear is a gift, as, as the title says. And you should pay attention to fear. Yes. Because it, it is ingrained within you and will save you from from certain death sure. or serious bodily harm. So there there obviously are innate fears that that uh, scientists will say that you are born with. Yes. Okay. Um, but then there are a series of rational and irrational fears. So if you're born with an innate fear of, say, uh, well, tigers, for example. Right. Right. So our ancestors would have an innate fear of, of animals like that, uh, animals of... Uh, 
predatory predatory animals, animals that right. could potentially kill and eat you, right? right? So if you weren't in fear of them, you would just walk up to a little tiger and be like, oh, hey, little tiger. And then he would maul you and kill you and okay, eat you. So here's my question, because yes. you're a fairly smart individual sometimes. Yeah. How is that even possible? How are people – how is someone as a biological organism mm. – know to be afraid of certain things how was that i know i understand through through teaching and through following the example of others you learn uh what fear is but well, how like, is it how is it possible well it's like any other instinct that any animal in the animal kingdom would have but how does that work how does an instinct work well it's it's part of evolution it's part of uh you know an evolutionary process to where your your early ancestors were probably eaten by lions or tigers mm, right but as time wore on you developed in in evolved into understanding innately that you should be in, uh, in fear of these things. It's just a strange process to me. That, well, it that is. People are just automatically, and it's not just people. I mean, there's, like you said, all animals have some kind of instinct. You you would know this. Is it true that human beings are the only animals that don't inherently know how to swim? Or one of the only? I've heard that before. Yeah. I don't know uh, scientifically if that's true or not. Because if you I've throw s- just about any animal into the water, it's going to automatically know that it's got to swim. Yes, except people; they just sink like a rock. Well, you know, I've seen I've seen um, examples of young to- uh, infants, basically, where they right. where they they don't necessarily teach them to swim, but they teach them to be able to remain buoyant and keep their head above water. They start this at a, a very early age. But like you said, though, it's a taught behavior. Right. It's not something that that is instinctual. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They can't if they sink to the if a, if you threw your newborn baby into the bottom of the pool into the pool right it would probably sink to the bottom and never come back to the top you which know, I don't recommend doing no <laughs> disclaimer you you could uh, get into some legal trouble with that but it's funny because like you said this time of year we talk about fear a lot because it's it's gonna you know we're we're into the autumn season we're gonna be having Halloween here soon yes well in about a month but the entire Halloween industry. The entire Halloween uh, theme is based on fear, right? Yes. This is the month of where it's okay to to watch horror movies. I watch horror movies all year. It doesn't matter to me. Mm. Um, but a lot of people don't, and they hold off until yes. this time of year. So fear becomes an important part of everyday life. You know, you see the jack-o'-lanterns around, and mm. and I, I tend to bore folk with, you know, do you like, mostly my kids? Do you know how jack o' lanterns were formed initially, and where mm. they come from? And I bore everyone. I'm not going to do that now. So when you when you carve a jack o' lantern, do you carve it like the traditional way with like the uh, the triangle the, eyes, the the teeth that are like jagged, <laughs> or do you carve just like a circle hole in the uh, mouth region, <laughs> and then have fun with it? <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> well, you know, it's a personal decision. I have some uh, public display uh, jack o' lanterns and some private. But speaking of fear, though, as as time wears on, you know, things change for you and your perspective changes as you get older. Yes. So when you're when you're a young person, things that scare you as a youth don't necessarily scare you as an adult. And if we right. want to stay with the Halloween theme yep. for a second, you know, scary movies as a child. Right. And you watch them now and you're like, this is this completely was ridiculous. Yeah. Most I find that most things like that. Um, well, conversely, there are certain fears that you have your whole life. Right. And that would be the probably irrational fears. Yes. Because as you get older. The rational part of you takes over, and you rationalize those fears away. Right. You know, I was, you know, I used to be afraid of the dark when I was a kid. Now I can't sleep if there's any light. Sure. It has to be as dark as the pit of Hades oh. in my room in order for me to have a nice slumber. I see. Also, needs to be cold. Do you like? Do you like to sleep in the cold? I love sleeping. In the I cold. like it to be tepid. Not what's tepid. A, what's a okay? What's a good uh, uh, sleeping temperature for you? Uh, you know, sixty-five. Yeah. Okay. Or that's, so that's a little chilly. Um, I like that sixty five. But I like to have I like to have a little fan blowing too, for the white noise or for the, to have for the, the breeze for the noise and a little bit of the fresh breeze. Okay, on well, let me ask you this: so you yes. have the fresh okay sixty five degrees. You have the little breeze going. Mm. It's a pleasant evening. Yes. Do you have to have a, a covers on? Or I you like uh, the covers? Do you, okay, but are you fully covered, or do you have a foot uh, sticking out? No, <gasps> I have to be fully. No, uh, I need ventilation. The, no, you can't. You need to have a little bit of ventilation. Have you ever tried to sleep above the covers? Yeah, sometimes. It's too uncomfortable. Usually when you're drunk, you just fall asleep like that. <laughs> I feel like I'm exposed to the world. What do you think's going to happen? At any moment, something could come up and touch me. That is an irrational, not a fear, that's an irrational safety. Yes. and Well, it's an illusionary safety. You think that the covers will protect you from whatever's coming at you. Yes. And it clearly will not. Yes. But you think that. Well, let me ask you this. Mm. So, And this goes in line with our topic today. Everything does. Have you ever seen this thing with the weighted blanket? What is the concept of the weighted blanket? Does it give people comfort? I, I, it, does, I, it, does it subside the fear of something? I assume it does. I don't have one. But I think it's probably 
it's related to you know you have a lot you have dogs i have dogs we we're, we like dogs and you know a lot about dogs there are the the thunder coats i've seen those that dogs have yeah. and, I, and from what i read from what i understand you put the thunder coat on it's a weighted coat mm-hmm. and it's it like hugs the dog Ooh. and it makes the dog feel secure i see so i think that the concept is probably similar to the weighted blanket i don't know to me i would feel like it was suffocating me imagine if your head sure. got caught underneath the weighted blanket you can't right. get it out well, suffocate what, or, or somebody farts in there. Well, it's similar to you ever had a heavy woman laying on you. That is that is suffocating. It depends on if my wife is listening to the show. Uh, if she is, then no. <laughs> okay, so so we we talk about um, irrational fear. We talk about irrational fears, and we could also categorize that as a phobia. I would guess, mm, right? Yes. So you talked a little bit about uh, a fear that you had of, would have as a youth, an irrational fear, but then you grow out of it. Yes. Here's an irrational fear that I've had. Mm-hmm. As a youth that continues to this day, and I don't know where it comes from, and, and it it may uh, the origins may because we talked about uh, reincarnation before, yes, um, and whether or not that's true or not, I don't know. I think there's some vil- validity to that theory. Mm-hmm. So I have a fear of I have a fear of bridges, large bridges. Yeah, is it? Wait, let me stop yes. you. Are you going to elaborate on that? Because I have a question about the bridges. I, I will, but go ahead. I, I was just going to say I I too don't enjoy bridges. Mm. Mostly because I'm a like it's it, it is an irrational fear because the road is the same width usually. Well, sometimes it's, it's more narrow on bridges. But is your fear related to falling off the bridge when you're driving, or the bridge height, or what? What is it about the? the bridge? I think it's a combination of things. Mm. So I can go on a bridge during the day, and I'm still frightened. Yep. So when I go over a bridge, I have to <laughs> look. Straight ahead. Yes. I have to grasp the wheel yes. with two hands as hard as I cannot. I, yep. can. I cannot look to the left or to the right. Yeah. And I have to concentrate on what I'm doing. I do. Because I'm afraid thing. at any moment the bridge could collapse. Yes. And well, you wouldn't be able to do anything about it then. What no. Is, what are you going to do? Well, I, I would be <laughs> even more scared as I'm falling to the, to the uh, water below. You know, that's a, that's a fear that a lot of people have. I don't like driving over bridges either. Have you ever been down and you've you've traveled the world and you used to live down mm. in that, uh, in the, uh, the heart. Heartland of America, not really. What do they call the uh, Mid Atlantic, Virginia, Mid Atlantic? Have you ever been on the uh, Chesapeake Bay Bridge? Yes, it's like a twelve mile, fifteen mile long bridge. It's frightening. It's it's incredibly frightening. Yes, because I thought about the whole time I'm driving down there. I got my kids, you know, mm. my wife and kids, and there's no like uh, you could just fall into the water. Yes, <laughs> and you're in the middle of the ocean, basically. You know what's even worse than that is, and this is where my fear. Uh, is compounded, and that is going over these bridges at nighttime. What is it about nighttime? Because the that, nighttime be, is be easier because you can't see. Well, no, it's much more frightening. Why is it more frightening? Well, because you see the water just glistening below and oh. a few lights in the distance, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you're like, I don't stand a chance. I don't stand a <laughs> you chance. You don't stand a chance anyway if you fall. If off I go the, off this bridge, you know that's okay. And, and any wreck could happen. You could mm-hmm. roll your car over and roll off the side. I mean, this is there's there's a, a number of things that could happen. Yeah. So, am I the only one that has this? Is this an irrational no, fear? No, no, it's a rational fear. I, I just, you know, I have the same issue with bridges sometimes. Mm. Not all the time. It just depends on the bridge. So, uh, for me, it's the higher bridge. Like we, where we live in New England, there's a lot of bridges, right? Uh, the Newport Bridge is especially scary down in Newport, Rhode Island, because it's very, it's very high. Yes, so you have to go way up. To me, it's going up. It's like a, it's almost like going on a roller coaster. Sure. You know, you're going up, you have the anxiety of going up the hill. Right. And then it levels off. And, you know, we, we see around here, they don't really maintain the roads very well no. and the bridges. So you wonder, mm. are they taking care of this bridge? Is it going to rot out from under me? Well, what are the chances that it's going to happen while you're driving over it? I've got bad luck. That is true. <laughs> so we're talking about fears. If, you, if you're just, which I don't know, you know, it's not like a radio show where people join in the middle. Mm. But before, you know, what, I want to go on a tangent because I forgot about to ask you about this. Okay. You mentioned before you you went on a rabbit hole tangent down the Civil War. Yes, right. I've been going down uh, into classic wrestling Ooh, from the nineteen eighties and eighteen nineties. Wow, the uh, the uh, no the nineteen nineties and the nineteen eighties. And you are you are pretty uh, knowledgeable about that whole era mm. in in wrestling. Have you ever heard of a concept called kayfabe? Yeah. Right, so I didn't know what that was up until last week. Mm. <laughs> so I was watching, I was binge watching this show, and it was called it's called the Dark Side of the Ring. Mm. I've uh, heard about this. It's terrific. If you if you have, Hulu, I haven't seen it yet. If you have Hulu, it's on there. If you don't, I'm sure you can find it streaming someplace. It's it's probably there's three seasons of maybe ten episodes each. Each one talks about it's a it's a documentary about yep. wrestling, and they talk quite a bit about kayfabe, which I didn't know what that was. 
But up until the 90s, basically, late 80s, the wrestlers, the, the prof- professional wrestlers maintained this concept of kayfabe, which basically means you are uh, never let anybody else know that wrestling isn't real. Correct. <laughs> Like a magician. Yeah, exactly. It's, yes. like, it's like being it's like magician secrets. Yep. But my question to you is when in the nineteen eighties when I was a kid, I knew that wrestling wasn't real. Everybody knew that wrestling wasn't real. Why is this a thing? Well here's a, here's here's the thing for me. So as a youth, I watched it, I enjoyed it, mm-hmm. I got into it. I did too. I didn't even it didn't even cross my mind that it wasn't real. Really? I just enjoyed it for what it was. The the first time that my eyes were open. It was almost like uh, eyes wide shut kind of thing. Oh, that's a good movie, by the way. Is when um, Hulk Hogan and King Kong Bundy were having a steel cage match. Mm. And uh, Hogan smashed Bundy's head against the steel cage. Yep. And Bundy went down face first into the canvas. Mm-hmm. And the camera zoomed in, and you could clearly see him pulling a razor blade <laughs> out of his wristband. Because they used to slice themselves. Yes, and he would slice themselves. his forehead, and they, he started bleeding. I go, yep. He just cut himself. Yes. So that's when I yes. knew it wasn't real. But yeah, I mean, and I just always assumed it was not real because like th- things like that, and you could see like Hogan, like Hulk Hogan's famous leg drop. Like he he goes off the ropes and he drops a leg. He doesn't even really hit you with the leg. No. He lands on his butt. Maybe the like the, the back of his thigh hits you. It's not hard. No, but in reality, though, they do screw up. Yeah, at times, and yeah. they, these moves do hurt people. Oh no! And, and these on are, occasion, these are obviously these are these are uh, uh, incredible athletes, and they're very strong, and they work on their their physique constantly, and they're it's, yes. it's a taxing uh, activity. I'm not going to say it's a sport because it's more like a very taxing activity. The locker room is uh, it's crazy what happens in the showers afterwards. <laughs> oh yeah, what happens in the showers? Well, actually, how do you know? <laughs> and that's actually a perfect segue into oh. what I'm going to talk about next. Let's do it. So, getting back into the fear uh, mm. topic, mm-hmm. so. You have certain fears. There are certain situations that are out of your control at times. Yes. That you are thrust into a situation that you may have a fear of. I like thrusting things. But you have no control over it. Hmm. So it's like a total immersion therapy kind of thing where you're put in a situation that you have fear, but you have no control over it. You have to go through with it. And then suddenly your fear subsides in a way. Mm-hmm. So an example of that would be, Mike talked about Marine Corps boot camp earlier. Mm-hmm. So... You know, I grew up a sheltered in a sheltered life. Yeah. I never really went out and did much on my own. Right. I very rarely, as a youth, went on adventures and yeah. things of that sort. So when I was a when I was a uh, eighteen years old and I joined the Marine Corps and I went to boot camp and yeah. that was a complete shock to me. Well, it was shocking for everybody. Shock for everybody, <laughs> but to me especially, yeah, it was a shock to my system. Suddenly, I find myself <laughs> completely naked. Yes, in the shower with a bunch of other men. Yes, or doing a number two oh, yeah. on a toilet uh, surrounded by no, a bunch of other men. No with, stalls. No stalls and no, nothing. No dividers. And you're thrust into these situations that I would never, that I would be that would be fearful of right. in reality and never find myself in on my own accord. But but isn't it amazing how quickly you adapt to those situations? You do. And, and before you know it, you're having a conversation with Joey from Lexington, Kentucky. Yes. And he's telling you about his family while you're both taking a dump. Yes. And... and that's you know it's just normal. <laughs> and just a quick aside to that, so um, Mike and I were fortunate enough to go to boot camp together, and we're, we're in the same training platoon. So, Hello. <laughs> so one uh, one evening where we had a little bit of free time, there wasn't much, but at that time you would get your mail and you would go into the head or the bathroom and yep. you would uh, have a seat on the bowl mm-hmm. and you would read your mail and you would converse with the people to the left and to the right of you yes. <laughs> as if it was just commonplace because mm-hmm. you can see everybody and everybody's just in a communal and experience. it smells great in there. A communal experience. So at that moment, Mike decided he was going to tell a story to everyone in the toilet. I like telling stories. And he started um, cursing and dropped an F-bomb. Oh. And at this moment, the senior drill instructor, who was the head of the drill instructors, walked by the head at this point and heard Mike dropping an F-bomb. And he was not happy about this. Which is funny because he dropped F-bombs every 30 seconds. And he came in and he wanted to know, and his exact words were, who was the potty mouth? Uh, And, of course, you cannot lie. Of course. Well, I have integrity. And Mike has integrity. So he raised his hand. Yes. And the senior drill instructor came over and said, you have a potty mouth. (laughs) Get off the toilet and stick your head in the toilet. And flush the toilet and say, I have a potty mouth. This is this is completely accurate. And Mike had to do that. He had to put his head in the soiled toilet yes, I did. and flush it. 
all while proclaiming that he had a potty mouth. It was all my. It was my. It was my soiled toilet. Yes. at least. Yes. at the very least. At least it was yours. <laughs> and people listening that have never had experience like this are saying, "Why would you do what? such a thing?" Well, you, you kind of have to. You don't have a choice. <laughs> <laughs> You're essentially in prison. Yeah, and you must do what they but, say. But fear, yeah, fear, fear plays a good part in in, in that. And and any anytime someone goes into a situation like that, you know, for us it was that some people. For them, it would be going to, uh, you know, maybe a new school or college or yes. maybe, maybe maybe even prison. You know, somebody who gets thrust into prison Ooh, thrust. Uh, would, would be facing that same kind of fear. I, thankfully, it has not been my experience. But, yeah. So, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. So, even as an adult, I have uh, fears. I have more. I guess they could be even more anxieties. Would anxieties be fears? Um, it dep- I guess it depends on what it is. Like, if you're, if you're, if you're anxious about what's going to happen next or you have a lot of work to do or you're juggling things as we all do. Yes. That's that's not a that's not a fear, I would say. Well, what about this? What are your thoughts on you ever been into like you walk into a restaurant or some sort of establishment <laughs> and it's not well defined? Oh no. And you go in No, and I leave. You got to leave, no, right? I'm not do you going get in nervous there. when you walk in there? I'm not going in there and it drives my wife insane. So mm. yeah, we'll walk into a place and we don't go out very often, but sometimes when you go in, okay, for as a, as a for instance, when you walk into a casual dining establishment, what's the first thing that you should see when you open the doors? Well, you should walk in. There should be a, a, a defined waiting area. Yes. And there should be a hostess there that waiting should to be. greet you. There should be. Now, sometimes there is nobody at the counter, at right. the, which is, okay, you know, you wait for somebody. However, mm. if I walk into a, a restaurant and there's no stand, mm. I'm leaving. Because that, I don't know what to do. Because sometimes you walk in and you're directly into the dining area. Yeah. What do you do? You just stand there and like a mope. People are looking at people you. People look at you. You, could, you know what the best thing to do would be to steal something off of someone's plate and run. Because mm. what are they really going to do? Is someone going to chase you down? Okay. Is someone going to chase you down because you stole uh, a chicken leg off their uh, plate and ran? Well, it's possible. No one's going to chase me down. I can tell you that. You're, you're pretty fleet-footed, are you? Uh, I can run. I'm like a crocodile. I run very quickly for very short distances. And you, if you if you zigzag, I can't catch you. Okay. Okay. Anyway, that's interesting. All right. So that that was the first part of the show. Yeah. We're about at the uh, the halfway point. And traditionally here on the uh, on the Eon Project program, we get to about 30 minutes or so. Uh, we take a quick break. We will have a little interlude, and we'll we'll get to a, a romantic little bit. interlude. So what we're gonna do today is we're gonna talk a little bit about. Well, we're gonna play a musical number because oh. we love music here on the uh, the Eon Project, we as do. we've stated previously in the past. And there's an up-and-coming band out of the Midwest that um, that we want to promote here on the EM Project. And they're called, actually, they're called the Red Queen Project. Yes. And the Red Queen Project is based out of Bluffton, Indiana. And they're currently uh, touring the local area out there in Bluffton. So if you're in the Fort Wayne, Bluffton area, and you want to see the Red Queen Project. Good, good music scene out there in Fort Wayne. Absolutely. Look them up on, on Facebook. We're going to play one of their uh, latest singles here coming up shortly and uh these guys are out there they're working hard and hoping to get a little bit more uh exposure and uh their first single that they're going to be releasing here very soon is a single called nephilim Ooh. what are the nephilim like the nephilim were the uh the the, the uh unholy offspring of fallen angels and human women oh that is correct yes the nephilim nephilim coming up
Oh, and that was uh, Nephilim by the Red Queen Project. Really so, cool band. Absolutely. Check Those them guys out. are awesome. I love them. You know what's funny? Yes. Uh, they have... Uh, you should ch- you should definitely check them out on Facebook. They have a great uh, logo, mm. and they have an awesome T-shirt. It's like it's their logo. It's 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 uh, it's it's. I don't want to I don't want to take away from it by describing it. Just I'm actually still waiting for my T-shirt. I would love a T-shirt if they're listening. I've been asking for quite some time, <laughs> and I keep getting blown off. I look. Do you like band T-shirts? You know, I don't. I don't. He, I so I've changed. You know, we talked yeah. about black underwear earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. What, what what shirt am I wearing right now? It's a black shirt. It's a plain black shirt. That's yeah. all I wear now. Yeah, it's, I'm going that direction too. I used to have a lot of logo shirts, and mm. I don't really care for that anymore. More basic stuff for me. But do you recall? Uh, we we weren't in high school. We were not like uh, music folks to the point where, you know, how you fall into groups in high school, whether mm. you're a jock or a stoner or um, a geek or whatever. Yeah. We were just kind of between groups. But do you recall there was a store? Down in Warwick, Rhode Island, that sold band T-shirts. Yes, and they had like every shirt from every it was band. Like T-shirt City or something, something like that. that. It was like the mecca of shirts. And I just remember going there, looking through all the shirts. I'm like, man, I really love this Megadeth shirt, but I'm not wearing it to school. <laughs> I actually bought a couple Metallica shirts. Metallica there. shirts. I don't know where I got the money. You from. had you had a uh, Kill 'Em All shirt. I did. I remember with the sledgehammer and the yes. blood. I remember that one. Yeah, and you had Ride the Lightning too. I think I had a few. Anyway, I just figured I'd throw that in there. That was a fear. Yeah. It wasn't a fear. But anyway, so uh, so after that musical interlude, uh, we're going to do a little quick trivia. Just three quick questions. Mm. And the reason I'm doing this is because uh, Mike has made it a point to make me look stupid on occasion. I have not. You did that yourself. On uh, various trivia uh, contests. It's not my fault you don't know anything. So I found this one to be quite interesting because I'm a student of history and I like... Mm. Uh, I like... Uh, old things. Old women. So this book was actually given to me by... Um, my sperm donor, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which would be my father. Your old man. Who is still alive. He's ancient. He's he's one of the most interesting men you'll ever meet. He's very interesting. And as a matter of fact, he's on a vision quest yes. right now. And he's driving around uh, various uh, places in the great southwest of the United States. I don't want to give him a plug, but he wrote a, he wrote a, uh, an autobiography, which is really interesting, too. It was his memoirs. His it memoirs. quite interesting, to say the least. He's an interesting guy. But anyway, I guess apparently he was digging through somebody's basement. I don't know why he was in there. <laughs> And he Let's found, not speculate. He found this book, and he gave it to me, and it has no binding on it. Is it the Necronomicon? But it's uh, it's an old trivia. It's called. It's actually <laughs> called the Trivia Encyclopedia. Oh, and it, but it dates, looks old. It dates back to 1974. Oh, that's old. And it was uh, it was compiled by a guy named uh, Fred Worth. Oh, was he worth much? I don't know if he was worth much. I don't know if he's still alive or not. Oh. But it's it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting read because it's it's you read a trivia book. It's like a dictionary. In other words, it's alphabetical. Okay. And there's little key words, and then there's something about. Hmm. It tells you a little bit about the words. Okay. So I went through this book and I just took out three quick questions that I thought. Okay. That weren't too difficult. You just picked them. You just you okay. You're telegraphing that I'm not going to get any right because no. you're trying to make me look foolish. I didn't make them ridiculously hard. I uh-huh. made them to be something that you could answer potentially. potentially. <laughs> okay, okay, let's go. <clears throat> so Do here's it. the first one. Do it up. Are you ready? I am. Should I put my Alex Trebek voice on? Yeah, poor Alex Trebek. You can't. That's too soon. All right. All right. You ready? Yep. What was Friendship Seven? What was Friendship Seven? Friendship Seven. Yes. Uh, it sounds like a space mission. Mm-hmm. Um, was it the, uh, f- oh, uh, was it the, uh, uh, first manned mission into orbit? More specific. Uh, Alan Shepard? Oh. Was it? <laughs> Very close. <laughs> ah. Well, it was John good- Glenn. Yes, it was John, John Glenn. Glenn's capsule that yep. he orbited the Earth yeah, friendship in. Friendship 7. Okay. Friendship 7. See, I was right. Oh, you were on the right track. Yeah, good right. job. Good yeah, job. Thank you. Okay, this one's easy. This mm. one's kind of easy. I know this one from Three Two One Contact. Oh, what does scuba stand for? S C U B A. Scuba, like scuba, scuba diving. Like scuba diving. Yes, that would be self-contained underwater breathing apparatus. Yeah. Yes. Ah, congratulations. See? Thank you. I'm very smart. You're a scuba guy, aren't you? I've never been scuba. No. As a matter of fact, I am afraid of the water. That goes We're going to talk fears. about that in a minute. We're going to talk about more uh, water fears. Yes. 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 Okay. Yes. Here we go. Last oh, one. Okay. What? U.S. military operation was known as Operation Detachment. Operation Detachment. Operation Detachment. Mm, it's a very famous, uh, I'll give you a clue, amphibious operation. Hmm. Operation Detachment, amphibious operation. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 
Yes. Uh, was it in World War Two? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would the say the invasion of Tarawa. Whoa! It was correct? close. It was oh. part of the uh, Pacific Campaign during World War Two, but Guadalcanal. it was actually the op- invasion of Iwo Jima. Oh, ah. detachment, really? Yes, Operation Detachment. So, where do they get the names uh, for military yeah, operations? They just make, they just make stuff they just up. Make it up. Yeah, there's a lot of weird operations. There is. You know, there was an op. There's a there's a conspiracy theory that I, you know we don't we're not going to talk about it today. But if you want to go down a weirdo rabbit hole, mm. look up Operation Martyr. Oh, I haven't heard of this. Mm. Just we'll just leave it at that. Leave it at that. <laughs> Make sure that you you have a VPN. Yes. When you do that. So I'm going to talk a little bit about, so we're going to get back into the fear and the concept of fear. And yes. Why are we afraid of things and, and things of that sort here in a second. Mm-hmm. And this kind of is, is along the same lines, but it's a little bit of a delve. Mm-hmm. Is that a word? Delve? Delve. Delving? We're going to delve into it. Um, so scary dreams. Oh. Okay. Yes. Reoccurring dreams. Yes. Um, and dreams are a whole other episode unto themselves. Dreams are. But as a youth, uh, I don't remember exactly the time frame, but as a kid, I remember having a reoccurring scary dream. And I, I'm going to explain it to you because okay. I still remember it. It's not going to be frightening to anybody. <laughs> but at the time, but it was frightening as a kid, to you. it was. It right. was scary to me. Right. So it would be this reoccurring dream where I would be... Uh, uh, basically, in the center of a darkened uh, room, mm-hmm. I-, I could see my body, Ooh. myself. Did you have clothes on? I had clothes. Ooh. You were and, clothed. And it was completely black around me, like a black hole. I couldn't see anything. Mm-hmm. And then a loud, uh, ominous voice would come over me and would say something. It would say... What did it say? Hello, I'm going to get you. Uh... And it would just, like, repeat these it strange... that? Well, that was one of the things, but... It would, it would repeat strange phrases over and over again. So you again. just lay there, or were you able to move? And I couldn't move, and oh. I would be in a panic. Okay. But then I would finally awake, and then, of course, I would run into my parents' room, and I would have to sleep with them because mm. I would be frightened. This happened to me probably for five years. You know what that over sounds like? Over the course like? of time. We've never discussed this before. You know what that sounds like? No. It sounds like sleep, sleep paralysis, where you're half asleep and half awake, and your body is not able to, you're just not able to move, and something is happening that's not real. It's like a dream that's happening to you. It's called sleep paralysis, and it's often related to, it's often reported, I should say, during paranormal activity within haunted houses. Well, I would disagree with you on this front. Okay. I've had sleep paralysis before, as an adult. Really? And it's quite frightening. I would assume that it is. Basically, the concept behind it is so when you when you go to sleep and you start to get into REM sleep, which is your right. deep sleep, uh, where you start dreaming and things like that. And what happens is your body will literally your brain will shut down your body. Yes. So when you're having a very uh, uh, when you're having a dream that would you know let's say you're running in your dream right. or you're moving around a lot, your brain shuts your body down so you don't do that in the bed. You don't yeah. run out of your bed right. or jump out of the bed. <laughs> so you can't really move. Right. So what happens is when you're in the middle of REM sleep, you almost come out of REM sleep slightly. Your brain will, but your body is still in REM sleep. Mm. So you're semi-conscious and you can see the room and you see everything that's going around you, but you cannot move. You're paralyzed in your bed. But is there a dream happening at the time? Are um, you seeing the, things? It starts with a dream, but then you come out of the dream and then so you're you, conscious. So you're consciously... Awake, yes. but you can't move. Correct. That's they used weird. to call it. They used to call it the old hag syndrome. Yes, yes. Because it would people would say, "Oh, there was somebody sitting on my right. chest, and I couldn't move." Right. But why were they saying that somebody was sitting on the chest? Was it an actual? Because person? you couldn't move. Sometimes you pay extra for them to sit yes, on your chest you do. and do other things on your chest. But right? I've actually had that happen to me. It hasn't happened recently, but it, it's happened to me in the past. Interesting. And it's a bit. It's a bit frightening. It's very fearful. It, it, it makes you imagine. scared. Yeah. Because uh, you don't really know what's happening, so right. you're trying to talk yourself out of it. Yes. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Interesting. I bet a lot of people have similar experiences. With it's not paranormal. It's just no. a matter of physiology and it's just, kind of yeah. what happens while you're sleeping. Plus, you know, speaking of, real quickly, a lot of people report paranormal activity when they're in that half-awake, half-asleep phase. Yes. They're just dreaming it. Right. And you wonder why it's happening at that time. Because you're not because you're dreaming it and it's not real. You know, the brain can play tricks on sure, you. Sure, sure. Anyway. It's not necessarily a paranormal event. But, but okay, so you're done with dreams. I am. All right, let me get get into one that we just briefly touched on a minute ago. Yep. And that's the ocean. Mm. I've always had a fear of the ocean from the time I was little, and I think part of it stems from a movie yes. that came out in 1975. Mm-hmm. 75? 75. Well, I don't know what movie you're talking Jaws. about. Jaws. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. 70, 75, 76 yeah. in that time? Yeah. Anyway, Jaws effed me up mm. for a long time. <laughs> you and everybody else. Yeah. No, I know, but it's, it's it, it got to the point, like, I remember seeing that movie. Because, you know, when we grew, we grew up in the 80s, mm-hmm. parents didn't care what you watched. No. They didn't care. We were watching the most grisly, hot, well, first of all, um, Jaws is only PG-13. Right. But well, it's scary. <laughs> when it came out, it wasn't PG-13 because they didn't have PG-13 back then. Oh, well, it, that's what it, it is. It was PG. PG yeah. But it's PG-13 now. But yeah, it's, it was just PG. That should have been an R-rated movie, I mm. feel like. But it, it didn't matter because parents let you watch R-rated movies when you were kids. We did it all the time. And I remember seeing Jaws and being so freaked out that a shark was going to eat me that I didn't want to go with my neighbor's swimming pool. Yes. Because I thought there would be a shark in there. Yes. That's an irrational fear. Yes. And it, it that that part of it... I, like, I don't go swim in the ocean a lot, but I have been. Sometimes you're in the ocean, and, you know, you don't think of that. But then if that thought creeps into your head, all of a sudden, I'm getting out of the water, man. So here's the thing, though. That, to me, and I tell this to people all the time, they think I'm nuts. <laughs> that is not an irrational fear. Mm. If you're if you're in the ocean... Yes. You, you're at risk. You, you are... Compl- it, it, it's, you're out of your element, yeah. and you have no control over what is happening beneath the surface when you're in the ocean. Especially that's, that's true. like deeper water. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. And this, this is an important distinction. So, in the surf area, mm. I'm not very scared, right? But the funny thing is, most shark attacks happen in that surf area. Sure. That's where you get bit. But I have been on the in the deep ocean. That's frightening as hell to me. And yeah. and it's mostly because I think it's just it's the vastness of the ocean, mm-hmm. and you're so small, and you're like if I was. If I was ever left out here and, you know, somehow you were, you were left, you fell off a boat, let's say, and the boat kept going, imagine how terrifying that would be, just stuck in the middle of the ocean. Yeah, you, you know what I think, too, part of it is, it's, you know, it's the fear of the water and what's beneath what's it, beneath but it's it. also the fear of, uh, you, you don't have control. You have, you no have control. zero control of what's see. going on beneath right. you. Right. You know, like any right. other situation, well, you you're in a plane flying. You're not the pilot, so you have no control. Right. So it's a lot scarier than if you yes. were in control of the of the vehicle, kind of thing. Yeah, but with that, you don't have that same fear when you're driving, and well, someone's driving you in a car. Well, I do, or maybe you do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so moving on from the ocean, here's another one that's kind of similar. Just want, I wanted to, to kind of uh, marry these together. Mm. You, you know, do you realize how many people every year go missing from national park areas? It's alarming. How many people go missing? Well, you know, and that just goes to, uh, you know, and I've, I saw a documentary recently about a young lady from, uh, she, I think she was from Canada, but she decided, she was a young, like, early 20s, decided that she was going to go on some adventure all by herself. Well, that's that's obviously a problem. I'm like, what, you don't do that. What are you doing? Right. Why, why are you traveling the world <laughs> by yourself that's, as a 20-year-old that woman? Quite that's scary. Bad. And fearful. Sure. I'm fe- I'd be fearful of that. Yeah, but and, uh, it, it's 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 reckless. Yes, but so to your point, a lot of people that go missing from I'm speaking of national parks because they're they're huge mm. and they're you know there can be no development on them, so so they're largely wild. Sure, and people go missing from there, and like you said, a lot of them are alone. Mm. So what do you think happens to these people? They just go off into the woods. Yep, and they just disappear, and they they're never found. They don't find any trace of them. Well, I mean, there's a lot of things that could happen there. It could be animals. Right. You know, it could be a, a, a tragic fall. Mm-hmm. It could be a drowning. It could be... Yeah, but wouldn't they find... Nefarious activity? Would they find the body or the equipment well, depends. or the clothing? I mean, let's say you fall into a, 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 a rapidly moving river and you get caught into some rocks. Yeah, I and guess you're, you're in you're there. you're beneath the surface. Forget it. Eventually, you're you're, eventually, you'll turn up. You know? Years later, maybe. Animals will come and hmm. clean up your remains. Forget it. You're done. Hmm. Anyway, I mentioned it because it's being, I think that fear is just being alone in a vast place. Yeah. Because anything, like you said, you're not in control. Anything can happen to you. And it happens to people all the time. There's an interesting documentary. It's called 411 Missing, I believe. Oh. And it's it's all about people disappearing from national parks. It's not Rescue 911 with William Shatner? Rescue 9. Do you remember that show? Yes, I do remember. Oh, I love that show. First of all, William Shatner has embraced himself can i ask you how was that man he's like 95 years old he's still doing it man he's going into space i heard yeah i heard that too. he has a full head of hair he, wow his skin looks as good as it did 40 years ago he's he's all fake he's plastic i don't understand it yeah 
But anything he does, you know, he he's so over the top. Like he hasn't even tried to be anything but that. So <laughs> yes, good for him, I guess. I I think the greatest rendition of Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds was the Lucy William in the Sky Shatner version with diamonds. Yeah. Anyway, so you know, one of the other innate fears I think that most people have, and I, and actually I had it. Mm. And I still do to a degree, but because of the situation and circumstance I find myself in as an adult, mm-hmm. I have to thrust myself into these situations to overcome it. Mm-hmm. And that's the fear of public speaking. Ah, yes. You that know, a lot listed of, as the number one fear. A lot people. of people have that. And it is, it is if you've never done it, yeah. it is an intimidating thing. It's intimidating even if you have done it. Exactly. Sure. You know, of course, it doesn't even matter if it's, you know, four people or 400 people. Right. If you can talk to four people, you can talk to 400 people. Um, and I think for me, uh, I had to overcome that just because of circumstances I found myself in. Yeah. I've found for me to be able to overcome that, I have to be able to be well prepared for the topic at hand. Yes. I don't like to be just thrust into a situation and not know what I'm speaking about. Yeah. You know, if I'm well prepared and I and I can speak intelligently about a certain subject, mm-hmm. it makes it easier. I'm sure that's probably the case for most people. Yeah. Um, well, also, you know, I think the setting matters too. If you're a, like you said, if you're a subject matter expert on something, it's going to be a lot easier for you to go up and talk than if they put if they say they give you. Let's say, okay, here's a perfect example. Mm. You have to give a training for something you've been doing for 20 years. Mm. You won't have a problem with it because you can fall to the level of your training, right? Sure. And you can relay the information that you've been given and that you've used for the last 20 years. Let's say there's a talent night and they want you to be a stand-up comedian <laughs> and you got to go up there. That's completely different. I think that would be much harder. So like you you could probably do the first one, the professional presentation yes. for 2000 people. Sure. Not a problem. You go up in front of uh, 50 people in a nightclub, try to do a comedy act. Mm. Good luck. <laughs> you know, I I've I found myself in situations too that are uh, where there's an instructor teaching a, a class, and you're kind of like the ancillary, you're yes. kind of like the assistant. It's easier to do that, and then all of a sudden that person will <laughs> throw it on you <laughs> yes. without any warning right. to go ahead and teach this next period of instruction, and yep. you're just like, uh, yep. And that's okay. why people, that's a lot of people fall. That's why people lean on PowerPoints, mm. and they'll go, oh, let's just, and they stare at the PowerPoint, and then they go, the next bullet, next bullet, next yeah. bullet, and you're like, that doesn't work. Yeah, Nobody's work. listening to you and at, at that point anyway. Sure. So I always find that public speaking is easier when you try to be funny, because then people, once you get people laughing, it's always easier. It, that's how, that's always worked for me. You have to do the, uh, jokes. you have to start with the attention gainer. Attention gainer, yep. Um To kind of break the ice a little bit. You try that, to be entertaining. I like to move. I don't like to stand in one place. You like to place. move? What kind yes. of moves you got? You know, you move left to right. Do you move like Jagger? I got the moves like Jagger. You do a little moonwalk. Mm. Yeah. That's good. Did you, did you do break dancing in the 80s? So when I was a youth, I was into the break dancing yes. like you wouldn't believe. Yes. My favorite movie was Breakin'. Breaking, not uh, breaking two electric. Boogaloo. No, the original breaking, and if that's probably dating myself. But if you haven't seen breaking, <laughs> what are the characters' names? Uh, Turbo. Turbo. Turbo was a was a popping master. He used to pop like crazy. And ozone. <laughs> ozone. Turbo and ozone were what the was two. A, uh, was a white girl's name? They was a white girl. I can't remember her name. Julie at, or at something this, like that. Karen. But actually, the the movie breaking was Jean Claude Van Damme's first, mm. uh. First acting gig, screen, really? screen gig. What did he play? So at the beginning of the film, uh, Turbo and Ozone are having a dance, uh, dance off <laughs> in the local uh, park. <laughs> dance off. They're having a local a park dance off, <laughs> and Van Damme is dressed in a wrestling singlet. Oh, and he is one of the uh, the characters in the you know like the circle forms. Yes, there's like a circle, and everybody whether dances. it's a fight or a dance off. Yeah, people dance in the middle of yeah. the circle. He's in the circle, and he's dancing like crazy. That you know, was his first uh, movie gig. You know, this is funny because this is a, this is personal with you. I remember an incident mm. where in our youth, youth, yes. we used to go to clubs a lot. Yes. And, well, try to meet women. That was basically why we would go there. That was a fear of mine. Yes. Meet, meeting a woman. Well, it got easier. It, it, you know how easy it is to meet women now that you can't? Like, because, you know, I'm married and happily so. Mm. But if I wanted to, man, I could be wheeling chicks left and right. No, I don't know about that. Plus, probably not. But anyway. You're ugly. Yes. So, um. And I'm very happy to be married uh, if my wife is listening. However, I remember a club incident where you yes, what I were do. highly intoxicated. Per usual. 
jumped into the middle of the dance floor and started breaking moves that no one had ever seen. Nobody's ever seen him. You were just cutting a rug, yes. feet on fire. Yep. And some guy came up to you and goes, yo, man, you want to have a dance off? And you were like, no, yeah. No, he said you want a dance battle. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. He, he you want a battle. He, he wanted, said you want a battle. That's what he said. dance battle. I don't remember what the outcome of that situation I won the battle, you dude. You did not. <laughs> but you know what? This actually ties right into our topic. Whoa. Because why do they? what do they call alcohol? Spirits. Liquid courage. <laughs> right? Because if you have a fear... If you have a fear, yeah, and you get over you it, cons- and I, I'm not, I'm not proposing to drink alcohol. I'm not a proponent, proponent, proponent. Of, of forcing people to drink alcohol. Oh. But if you drink alcohol, if you have drank alcohol in the past, yes, you understand the term liquid courage. It lowers your inhibitions because I sure. was a shy, reserved person, mm-hmm. and then I have a few beverages, yes. and then all of a sudden I, I become. But that's uh, but that's why people drink alcohol. I become a, a cross food. between Michael Jackson and Mikhail Brzezhnikov. <laughs> On the dance floor. And I, I dance battled with this guy. Yeah. And I won. You feel like you won that one. I won the dance battle. I, I like to sing when I'm intoxicated, which is funny because I don't I don't sing well. Mm. But, it, you know, a lot of a lot of musicianship, I should, not musicianship, a lot of the, a lot of stage presence is just charisma. Yes. And, and confidence. And, and confidence. If Correct. somebody is up there and is confident, you're more likely to overlook their deficiencies in singing ability. Correct. <laughs> But that goes hand in hand with what we were just talking about. The, the more alcohol you consume, and, and, and there's a fine line. Oh, sure. Because there's a there's a line between you get overly <laughs> overly intoxicated to where you can't even remember the words and yes. you look like a fool. Yes. To in in a line where your you're inhibitions in are gone, you're in that yes. zone, and we've been there. Sure. We've been on all sides. Been of it. in the zone. Yes. It's hard to find the zone sometimes. It's hard. It's hard, especially you, with women. You have to. <laughs> but you know, you got to be experienced at it. You <laughs> know, you have to thrust yourself in there. Yeah, at just the right time. <laughs> but that's a fear, you know. And, yeah. and, and fear is an interesting. It's an interesting emotion. Well, it's let me inter- ask you this. Okay, yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but go ahead. You you mentioned fear of 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 the opposite sex, right? Yeah. What when you look back on it, what was the big deal? Like, let's say you walked up to a girl and you yep. said, "Hey, you want to dance?" You're maybe, a, and then she says, "No." Mm. Okay. Well, it's, you it's, just turn around. You go back to where. But you that's were. a confidence thing. That's a that's a that's a fear of failure. Yeah. yeah, it's a fear of being made fun of. Because I mean, afraid of the failure, I mean, especially for me growing up. You know, I was made fun of constantly. Mm. So I, I still are. I didn't want people to make fun of me. Right. But but I will say this. Um, you know, it was. <laughs> I don't want to delve into my my uh, <laughs> previous dating uh, oh, scene. Somebody might be listening. You know, I I didn't have the confidence. Uh, right. To be able to approach some women, some guys just have the je ne sais quoi. They do. We are not them. To <laughs> women flock to them, and they don't us. have to put in much effort. That's true. I had to put in a lot of yeah, effort. Me too. <laughs> but I was scared to do so because I had fear. Yeah. But I remember one specific example. I said, you know what? I was with a friend of mine. We were out at a uh, local establishment, and I said, I'm going to try a different approach tonight mm. with with the ladies because okay. I've I, you know a lot of and I hate to say this for oh. some reason some attractive ladies. Like guys that are ass jerks. Yes, that's true. Jerk, jerk holes. They like bad boys for some reason. I don't know why. They like people that treat them badly. <laughs> treat them like crap. So I said, I'm going to try that approach tonight. You, it's called negging, right? Uh, I don't know what it's called. It's called negging when you when you when you say something negative. <laughs> oh, to some to a. This is okay. That's a term. Yes. Oh. So this is a this is a dating tactic. Oh, okay. And what you do is you'll go up to a woman and you'll you initiate like you initiate contact. And you you say hey hi, how mm. you doing whatever. Then you say like a back backhanded compliment, like oh. you go, "Oh, I saw that shirt on clearance at uh, at Marshalls the other day, right?" Okay. So it's 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 making her feel bad uh-huh. in the hopes that that turns her on. I see. It's it's called negging. You say something negative about them, like, "Okay, oh yeah, you have that hairstyle that was popular thirty years ago." Well, see, good job. <laughs> but that's kind of what I did that evening. Oh, but oh, I, oh. but it wasn't more. It wasn't as subtle as that. Okay. This. Attractive blonde lady girl Ooh. walked by. Uh-huh. Um, Attractive and, blonde lady girl. <laughs> my friend said, you're not going to say anything. And as she walked by, I said something completely ridiculous. What did you say? I don't want to say it. Oh, you have to say it. Because I don't really recall exactly what it was. Oh. But it was very rude. Oh. And she stopped in her tracks and she said, what did you just say? Oh, no. And I repeated you it. You thought that you were going down. And I thought she was going to punch <laughs> me in the face. You thought this was a bad idea. Mike. Yes. She sat down. 
You have to tell me what you said. She sat down. You have to tell me what you said. And we continued a relationship. Get out. I swear to God. What did you say? I can't remember exactly. Was it like about her? It was, yes, specifically about her. Did you say like you're fat or something like that? I don't know. Something along those lines. It was many years ago. I don't remember exactly. But it worked for you. You have to be able to repeat that. It worked. And I only did it one time and it worked. Wow. But I felt so bad about it. Yeah, I was going to say, you probably don't feel good. Because I'm not really a mean guy. I don't like to say nasty things to people unless they piss me off. That's true. But that's interesting. Anyway, well, talking about fear, and this actually dovetails into dovetails into uh, stuff we were talking about before with, yes. with inherent fears. Ooh. But I wanted to talk briefly about um, people's innate ability to assess another person. Yes. So people, and I've and and without getting into too many specifics, you we both are in a uh, employment field where you deal with people who are not so nice. Mm. Let's just say that. So we're kind of at you more than me are, are always on the alert for for certain movements, certain signs, certain actions that people are doing in order to protect yourself, right? Sure. But but everybody has the ability to discern whether somebody else is a threat, and you do that automatically. So the first time you meet somebody, it's within milliseconds. You've you're classifying them as. This person's a threat. This person's not a threat, or I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. And you do that by their body language, by the way they look. Some people just give off that air, and we in the modern society kind of turn that off mm. because you don't want to. If you know, you've met, have you ever met somebody and initially you've never met them before, you don't like them. As soon as they come up, you go, "I don't like this dude." Yes. So that's your innate fear. That's that's your gut instinct that you don't trust this person. And it goes back to what we kind of something we talked about early on in the show and that you questioned me on in terms of how is it that, you know, you're born and yet you still are, you are fearful of like, say, a wild animal. Right. That this, this kind of goes along the same line. It, it, it's an instinctual thing that you have. It's a sixth sense, if you will. Right. If you want to, if you want to talk in paranormal terms, mm-hmm. that you can sometimes just read the energy off of a person. Yeah. And get a vibe and a feel for so who how, they are and what they. What so how come about. that? That's what you just said is probably acceptable to ninety eight percent of the people that are listening. Mm. But what you just described is a paranormal thing. It's a sense that is not scientifically proven that you have it, but you do. Mm. You have a, you have the ability to get feed that. You have the ability to read the energy of other people, and you do it all the time. You do it subconsciously, and that's how you get. That's how you form friendships. That's how you form romantic relationships. You're classifying people when you meet yeah. them. Well, I would argue I would argue that there is no such thing as paranormal and supernatural. And what I mean by that is this. If you have that innate in- instinct mm-hmm. to be able to uh, judge a person based on right. the feelings and the energies that you get off of somebody, it's not paranormal. It, it, is, it, oh, is, I agree. it is a normal thing. Yeah. It's just something that we can't quantify, that That's we can't really understand as, as, a, as a normal sense. Because if you can do that, you can probably do other things. Possible. With that type of ability. Sure. That you're like an X-Man. Exactly. You know the X-Men? I used to be a big fan of the X-Men. Mm. I don't like their movies. You don't like them? the movies? The movies are horrible. Mm. I don't like the movies at all. I used to like the comic book quite a bit. What, what, is, an, what, is, a, um, what is an obscure X-Man that you, should, you think they should have a movie about? Obscure X-Man. Well, I mean, the X-Men are pretty popular, but there's been a lot of them. I always had a crush on Rogue. Oh, you like Rogue? I like Rogue. You know what Rogue's superpower is? Did you like the the the, the streak in her hair? Yes. Is that what you like? Oh, liked? I like the streak in her hair. Did you? And the outfit, very skin tight. Yeah, they all wore skin skin tight. Skin tight outfit. I saw a, a you know what cosplay is. <laughs> Look up cosplay. Yeah, I've heard some of people it. have no no business wearing those things, but okay. some some of them do. Anyway, do you know what Rogue's superpower is? Well, isn't she? Uh, uh, she sucks the energy out of someone. Yeah. So if her skin touches your skin, yeah. she absorbs your energy. Right. I always thought that was cool. So how do you get intimate with her? That's a good question. So when she had a relationship, she had a relationship with Gambit, who mm. was the uh, the uh, uh, Louisiana boy yeah. who threw the cards. Yes. He's a pretty cool character, Gambit. They never did a, sh- a movie no. on him. They should though. They should. He well. When X Men first came out, they were talking about having a movie. Jean Claude Van Damme would have been the perfect casting for mm. Gambit. He he is French. Uh, you know, from, from you could he could easily pull off that accent. Anyway, make a long story short, when they were getting romantic, there's a, there's a famous comic where they kiss, mm. and I don't know what happens because I don't remember. Well, she I thought she almost killed him. She probably did almost. She kill sucked him. the life out. Well, of him. they all do that. 
So you, you'd have to you'd have to put some sort of um, barrier between <laughs> if, you and her. If they only made such a thing. For what kind of a barrier? A barrier for, for intimate encounters. Yes. You'd have to get all latex somebody up. Should, somebody should invent from, that. Uh, from head to toe. Can she suck your energy through the latex, mm. though? That's the question. I don't know if she can suck it through there. Mm. It's been done, probably. Mm. You not would sure, know. I'm not I... sure if she can do that or no, not. No. All right. So I think we're getting to the, uh, to the end of the program here. And, uh, you know, this was an interesting one because, like, you know, we haven't we haven't been at this for for quite some time, mm. and we at a on occasion we will uh, log into the to our uh, our hosting site, yep. and we can see our statistics from around the world, around the world. And at times we peak, yeah. Uh, just at random times, our listens will peak. I think you know what that is. I think what that's, is that? that's one person or two people listening to one show and they really like it so they listen to the next mm. one they really like it that's just one person listening to a bunch of our shows you know what's never a good sign when you see uh like one one listen from zimbabwe <laughs> that's it so that person listened to one show probably X- got about five minutes in and was probably like, not and this show is not for everybody these guys are idiots that's probably correct yes but yeah so if you li- if you like the show at all please rate us on whatever app you have um apple Podcasts, spotify uh, spotify you can't really um you can't uh, rate us, but you can mm. share us. You can find us on social media. We're on Twitter. We're on uh, uh, Instagram. I look at those things. Mm-hmm. So drop us a line. You can also email us at theguysathermitlight.com. Yeah. That's theguysathermitlight.com. You know, and we will um, we will endeavor to get a little more regular, um, despite the Metamucil issues. That, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we have a lot going on. You we know, do. this is not our full time gig. Unfortunately, we have a, we have lives, um, <laughs> so we have other things that have we have going on. But we will try to get a little more uh, back on track. And uh, yeah, also check out the Red Queen project. You heard their their uh, single earlier today. You got it, Nephilim. That's right. So just remember, the truth exists. Believe it. 